I'm not like a regular mom, I'm a cool mom. 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 Hey, cool moms. I am really excited that this episode is being supported by Happy Family Organics. Sargent and Hi have been longtime fans, and it is truly a delight to share their work with you. Now, from the start, Happy Family Organics has centered their work on organic, nutritious foods for babies, infants, and toddlers. Treating the planet with care is also built into their brand DNA, which is something I think about frequently. I want Sargent to inherit an earth that is thriving, right? Their work on regenerative agriculture is really a step ahead. You know I need to love a brand to rep it and bring it to my community. So check out Happy Family Organics and a hot tip. If you have ever have a question about nutrition for your kids, they have a free, anonymous, and genius live chat backed by a team of registered dietitians and nutritionists. It's available seven days a week, and they'll give you tips, resources, and answers to questions related to lactation, formula feeding, starting solids, anything, you name it. So thank you, Happy Family Organics, for your products and for supporting cool moms and parents across the country. I'm going, going back, back to Cali, Cali. I'm going, going back, back to Cali, Cali. Yes, finally. Finally, Sergeant and I are returning home to California. And even saying home to California are such powerful words for me because the concept of home um, maybe is something that's been a bit elusive or non-traditional for me as I've been a person, even in my like adolescence and growing up, that's moved around a ton. I know what it feels like to be the new kid always. So I have not always felt so connected to one particular place, even having spent like eight years in New York. Um, it felt like always kind of like a place of transition and growth. So since leaving California at the top of COVID, I have been doing everything in my power to get back. Um, but not just to get back to be there, but also because I feel so much more at peace at home and at harmony uh, with myself and with Sargent in Southern California, um, which is, again, such a foreign feeling for me, but I'm like just so deeply grateful for recognizing what home feels like and being able to call a place home outside of the home that, you know, we carry with us everywhere. So yes, we're going back to Cali, we're going back to the sunshine, time for the beach, but man, am I going to miss my dogs. I'm going to miss my friends. I've had such, um, well, I've had <laughs> like, like most of y'all listening, I've had a lot of ups and downs over this entire 2020. I was going to say weeks, months, but yeah, this year. Um, but I certainly would not be standing, sitting, alive, thriving without the support of my family who always have unwavering love for me and especially my friends, especially, especially my bestie, Michelle, who I've mentioned here on the platform just a bit um, in previous episodes, but man, you want to talk about like what love looks like 
for me, my love language is about acts of service and showing up. (laughs) And I mean, that is what Michelle has done to like really just, you know, open her door to me and provide so much love and support through all the things that have gone on this summer from COVID to being away from Sargent to struggling and through this job interview process to making deals, losing deals at the high highs. She has always been there and at the low lows, she has always been there. So I just, I don't even know how to thank her enough for her time, but here's one way I can do it publicly. Uh, Michelle is not a mom. Granted, (laughs) she has given me so much beautiful maternal energy and loving energy. Uh, But I also have been really grateful for this time with her because I've been able to, again, show my love language is like acts of service. So I've been able to really help Michelle in in many ways how she's able to help me um, build this beauty business. I've watched her leave the comfort of her nine to five, go into business for herself and start a skincare line and thrive and sell out every time she drops new products during a pandemic. I mean, this woman is like, I, she's unreal. She's she's the epitome of a bad bitch. But uh, aside from that, y'all, I don't know if I have maybe said this. I may have talked about maybe wanting to get a boob job in the past because after 14 months of breastfeeding, one of my breasts is... A little sadder than the other. That's okay. But what I did get before I got my boob job, I like to call it my plastic surgery (laughs) to speak it into existence, but it's really just, um, I got some really incredible injection work done by Michelle uh, at her cosmetic dermatology practice. And she just gave me a little here and a little there. And y'all, my lips are luscious. My cheekbones are just sitting and I feel like I'm coming into the best version of myself that coupled with uh, our boot camp that we've been doing this summer where we've been working on our mental our physical our spiritual working out every day watching what we eat encouraging one another I just it's been truly transformative uh, to say the least I really feel like I'm going back to California much better holistically than when I left. So Michelle, I love you. I'm grateful. Uh, if you guys want to check out her skincare line, no, this is not an ad, but I really do use it. Um, she's at Michelle, Michelle S. German. Check her out at German Aesthetics. Now, last, but certainly not least, I have also spent a great deal of time outdoor, especially with Sargent, uh, since, you know, we've been on lockdown. And one of the projects that has come from this time has been a project called Jugs World. So Jugs World really started because I was depressed. (laughs) I was depressed. I didn't know how I was supposed to show up for Sargent and for myself in a time of just um, such deep uncertainty in the world. And so we just went outside because nature is um, cathartic. It's grounding. It's transformative. It's healing. 
And that's a lesson that I want Sergeant to know. I want him to know that he can always connect with the earth in order to heal himself. So that's really where this idea of Jug's world began. Um, Jug is like this fun character that I created. And Jug goes on these adventures with Sergeant throughout nature. Our first episode focused on trees. I like to think that Sergeant and I are tree people as I hugged a whole lot of trees while I was pregnant with him. And it's where I find uh, some of the most peace is sitting under a tree. So we made a really fun video talking about trees. It's an educational based platform. And I really made it for fun. It had been a really long time since I just did something creative for me. And lo and behold, something really beautiful has come out from it. So Jug's World has now been acquired as part of the family curriculum at the California African-American Arts Museum. Yeah. So not only um, will they be showing Jug's World uh, online and available, but I will be teaching um, I will be teaching a Zoom class on Jug's World via cam in in relation to one of their current exhibitions sanctuary so this is such an incredible partnership again it speaks to the power of allowing your heart to lead you and moving in faith Um, because again when i started jugs world i was in such a heavy dark place i was still in charlotte still at the beginning of covid and still just trying to figure it out. So to be returning to California and having this on my docket where I can go back to my roots as an educator and help to educate myself, my child, and hopefully you all and your families as well, especially when we see uh, how the public education system in many ways has failed us. So I hope that this tool is something uh, that is beneficial to all of us. And I'm so looking forward to what's next for Jug's World. Please stay tuned. I love you all so much. Up next, LaTanya Yvette. LaTanya Yvette is a mother of two, an advocate, writer, published author of her first book, Woman of Color, which is part memoir, part lifestyle guide. I just started really diving into it and I'm I'm really geeked to finish it because um, it's surprising uh, in many ways and its approach and its layout and its um, transparency and really refreshing. So I'm super excited to talk to LaTanya as, again, one of the shortlisted women when I first started Cool Moms. So LaTanya Yvette. Welcome to Cool Moms. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course, of course. Now, um, I'm going to get into our inaugural question, but I also just want to yes. preface this by saying, you know, I uh, used to see you all the time when I lived in Brooklyn, in <laughs> Fort Greene, walking around, looking great with the kids. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, this can be done. So like, you know, Aww. in all sincerity, like... Absolutely. Just watching from afar as another black mom who is a co-parent who's like doing it and and very much um, on your own terms. Like, thank you. You know, visibility is key. Oh, that's so sweet. That's really sweet. Thank you. Of course. So um, we always kick things off like fun and cute and light with uh, what is your sign? And does that mean anything to you? Oh, my gosh. So much. (laughs) 
like, do you really want to know? <laughs> I absolutely want to know. Go as deep as you want to go. I'm a cancer. I am a cancer, oh. which I feel like is very... I think when talking about writing and talking about mothering and just how I am as a person, I'm like, oh my God, I guess it makes sense. Like, <laughs> <laughs> in, in what I'm, ways? Um, so, so I'm a cancer. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a double cancer too. So it's actually really funny. Stop. So yeah, I think, you know, I, okay. So as far as personalities are concerned, I am super, I would say, um, like, I can almost be like a shell. Like, I can be very, like, sweet and nice and, like, and kind. And, but at the same time, I can be, like, a little bit guarded. But, like, when you get in there, you get in there. <laughs> and then right. it's just, like, this is, like, why we're, like, all fishing. <laughs> it's just a whole thing. And it's funny because I went to, like, I was hanging out with friends the other day and we, everyone, it was like this card question and it was like, what surprised? And my question was that everyone had for me was, um, they had to answer what surprised them most about me. It was like the card that I picked out and everyone had the same thing. And they were like, yeah, it was that part, but it's also like, you have like multiple, like, you know, like one minute, then you're like, out and like dancing and like all night (laughs) and like I didn't know that was like part of you and I was like that's so me (laughs) (laughs) you know what listen I have to be honest I just Uh posted recently this um this meme you know those Mm -hmm. that trend of memes that's like the the villain the actual villain Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I posted one that was like the villain, Scorpio, which is my sign, and then the actual villain, which is Cancer. <laughs> and I was like, I just need people to know Cancers are so lovable and just like such great loyal friends, but also. But also, but also we do, you know, I don't want, I'm, I think I'm very much like, I will talk to anyone about anything. And I also will like, you know, I'm, I always say like, I'm an ingester. Like, I just, I'm kind of like, yeah, tell me, like, I'm like, tell me, I'm like, Oprah, tell me what's going on. And then I'm like, okay. Like, and, and then like, and I will share, but I'm also at the same time, I think at, like very mindful. And I don't know if it's the position of where I am in life and, or if it's just who I, like, I love speaking to people, but I'm also very like, you know, just a little bit guarded. And I, I, Mm -hmm. I think at this, at the same time, like, I, I think it's because when I'm like really, really close to someone, I'm all in. And I think the part of that is to help me navigate like friendships and navigate relationships. And I think in the same way, it's a little bit like that with my work. I get a lot of, um, I, I love that you kind of, you know, like spoke to like seeing me around the neighborhood before, because I do get a little bit of, you know, people, who are like, oh, I feel like I really know you. And I, and I'm <laughs> like, like, no. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, well, I'm like, you know, vulnerable and like very specific. You know what I mean? I'm like vulnerable bordered. I'm very, and I think people, it's hard for people to see that. And I understand, you know, and I think that's part of, part of the course, right? Like I share what yes. I can share, but I'm also yes. very like super mindful. And I think that's very, very much a cancer 
super duper duper mindful and can be very open and super sweet and but also guarded and um and I think that's just part of, and also, I mean, also, it could also be just like life, right? I grew up with your brothers and a sister, so exactly. I also and know how to play my role. Say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and like, and I also think that, you know, some of that could be, and speak to this, being attributed to being a New Yorker and being from Brooklyn. Like, yeah, how has, for sure. For you know, sure. How has, I think, <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Right. How has that impacted really just like your outlook and your approach? Uh, for sure. On, on life. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it, you, I think you, you, what's interesting is there's a lot of people who live, creatives who live in Brooklyn and who have like a Brooklyn vibe on their platforms and whatever. But I think because I was born here, because I was raised here, there's a lot and a lot of my family lives here and this part of the struggle and like I have a whole history here. Um, I think part of my own relationship to people is very Brooklyn, right? It's very like, mm. we're family, let's hang out, right. yada, yada, yada. Yes. <laughs> and yes. then at the same time, I'm like, but if I don't trust you, I don't trust you. You know, and it's okay. like, you can't, you know, I'm like, it's a very like, unless you're kicking out of my stoop, we ain't cool. <laughs> and like, you, unless you're telling me something about you, then we're not. And so I think I do have, Brooklyn is so much a part of like who I am as a person. And I, and I think that that is, um, like I, I'll tell, like, if you and I, like, you know, we saw each other on the street and like, obviously we were hanging out before, you know, b- before blog stuff or whatever, I think it would be much easier for me to be super open with someone I see around Brooklyn and who's in my neighborhood who I've hung out with on the stoop than I would like, you know, someone else. I think that's just how, that's just how my relationship is to Brooklyn. It, it's, it's community driven, but it's also very honest, very right. real. And it's kind of how I navigate other relationships is like a very Brooklyn way of life. Um, and, and, and so it actually that. makes it's honest. funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it, it is about honesty. It is about honesty. And, you know, I would love to speak to then, you know, we're talking like before LaTanya Yvette as mm-hmm. the brand, as the blog, and then mm-hmm. after, right? What mm-hmm. was that kind of career trajectory like leading up to becoming a blogger? No, so I had River, um, so I had River, River, I was 21 when I had my daughter. And so I was in college for writing and literature. I was obviously like a young parent, um, but I was also like engaged and like had like, I felt like really old because my mom had us young too. And also Mm -hmm. I think New York makes you feel older. Um, So I had a lot of that. And I think for me, it was the rea- the reality of you, you know, like I was in college and it was like, Oh, and it was at the time when like magazines were plummeting. No one was doing well. It was 2011. And I was just like, what am I going to do? And I actually had a professor who said something super similar, which I wrote about in the blog, um, sorry, in the book. And they were like, well, what are you doing? You know? And it was a real important question. Um, Mm -hmm. about sort of struggling in college and struggling with time. But also I really enjoyed like hanging out with my kid and had all these ideas. And my ex was just like, you're always in the street, like with our kid. Why don't you just write about that? (laughs) Like just, you know, just do, like you're, you're never home. You're never home. You're always taking something on. You're always running around. And it was true. And so the blog kind of started out out of that kind of place. But also it's because... I was living in Bushwick at the time and a lot of the mothers were like, 
way older than me. And Mm -hmm. I really wasn't, and they wanted to be stay-at-home moms. And like, that was not, I didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom. I just wanted to figure things out and, um, and also still work and also still figure out money, you know, and wasn't like, and I couldn't, I also could not. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, So the blog kind of started out out of that. And it just continued out of this sort of accessibility um, to a lifestyle and living and creativity and sort of blending a bunch of worlds in at once. And I think it's been cool because um, sort of having, it was, it's really important to me to have like other black women who are just becoming mothers, but also like back then and even now see how they can make do, how they can make it. And I think visualization and mirroring um, is so much part of like resistance and having people actually see other women like, you know, be present mothers, be present parents, but also be creative and artistic and be individuals and not fall into this very, you know, very trapped life of what we think mothering looks like. This episode of Cool Moms is brought to you by Happy Family Organics. I absolutely love the Happy Baby regenerative line of food packets. There's something that Sargent has been enjoying and slurping up since he was, well, a baby. And now that he's two and a half, there's still a really easy go-to snack for him. They give him a sense of autonomy because he can hold the packet. He can suck it down, and it's something that I know is going to be delicious and also good for him. Happy Baby Organics. Happy Family Organics. We love the regenerative line. Right, because, uh, you know, at this time you were occupying, and still very much in a lot of ways, I think that the tide of of the optics of motherhood and, and, you know, frankly, motherhood uh, as it relates to a career as a business Mm -hmm. um, is changing, but is still very much occupying a predominantly white space. Were you 100%. ever concerned about entering this space and being successful? Was success even on your radar? You know, I don't think I really was. When I got into it, I don't think I was concerned. I think I was aware that the space was very white. I like red blogs here and there. Um and so I was very, very aware of the optics, right, of how it all looked and how it all felt. And I do think uh, there were times where, like, I would be super into my own thing and then I would, like, see how everyone else was doing it and everyone else, meaning white women, and I'd be like, okay, I have to do it this way for mm-hmm. people to, like, actually like me, to latch on, to think what I'm, you know, to follow to, you know, believe in what I'm saying. And then I would jump off. And then, you know, and, and I, mm-hmm. and I just realized that this whole, like staying your own lane idea, which is very like New York was something right. that I had to like, remember and, and, and stick to. And I think it's very easy, especially in the early years. I mean, we're talking like also 2000, it was the first two years of blogging, 2012, 2011. Um, it, it was hard not to be distracted by, and also having a young child, also being young, um, distracted mm-hmm. by how everyone else was doing and how everyone else was being successful. Um, and I think for me, it kind of really, really came to a head in 2013. So after three years of doing it, um, like when I lost a baby before I had my son Oak, like the reality mm-hmm. shifted that like, obviously the situations for a black, a black woman struggling I just became, you know, 
I was always obviously a black woman, but I'd be, it was so clear my situation, my situation was totally different than everyone mm. else's after I lost a baby and all the sort of things that happened with that. And I think it sort of put my blackness as a, a blogger in perspective mm. personally, but also more publicly. Um, and, and, and this all has to do with like health, right. And, and doctors and all this, and all accessibility, these things, access, exactly. access to information and 100%. And do you feel like that, you know, because I did read, um, a bit about, you know, you announcing mm-hmm. pregnancy and then having lost the baby and mm-hmm. because it was a public front facing thing, then having to front face and kind of face the loss in a mm-hmm. very public sphere. What mm-hmm. was that response like as a black woman? How did that make you aware of your blackness? that experience? Yeah, I, you know, I think as far as the way people came to me and helped me, it was really, it it was actually really comforting. And it was a lot of white people who came to my aid and a lot of black people, obviously, who came to my aid. Um, But the experience, the actual doctor behind the scenes experience and the, and which I never actually talked about on the block as it was happening, but then wrote about in the book many years later, the actual experience of like, you know, not having amniotic fluid and then going back to doctors, going back to doctors and, you know, then finally being told that there was a hole in my amniotic sac and that is why my baby was dying and all this other stuff, mm-hmm. right? And all the bureaucracy and insurance. Yes. And also like, I don't yes. think I even talked about it in the book, but like, one of the other traumatic things that, that that happened, I would say years later, Oak was like maybe two or three, is I actually was like sued by the hospital wow. for, a, for, yeah, for the bill. Because even though they said that they accepted my health insurance after I lost the baby, they like sent me a $15,000 bill. And it was a whole thing. And then I went, I got like a friend, a white friend who, whose dad was a lawyer who was like, there, you know, this is awful. I bet you they won't come to court. I went to court. They never came. The case was dropped. But like, but there's all these other parts that like really, you know, front face, like you're, you know, remind you of your blackness, remind you of who you are within a system, remind you it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter who you married to. And of course, like my ex is white, right? Or what you do for a living or how much money you make or, you know, no matter what it is, you're still a black woman. And, you know, it's the system is the system. And so, um, I was so supported publicly by that, but, and and so on the blog side of it, it really made me realize that there was such, um, there was so much missing and there were so many other women going through it as well. But on the back end, on sort of the bureaucratic racism side of it, that, um, has so much to do with loss and blackness and womanhood, um, it was, I already knew that stuff exists. My mom is a black single mother, was a black single mother, but I think, um, it also changed me a lot experiencing that. And also having that be part of the story that no one all got to see on the back end because you're living two different, I mean, you're living the same life, but you sort of, you From know, very different vantage points. Exactly. So, exactly. You know? exactly. I, and, and that resonates so, so much with me because that's, you know, I had, you know, didn't experience the same level of loss. Mm-hmm. Um, but being pregnant, being a person that um, had a certain presence mm-hmm. uh, online, 
Mm-hmm. And then, but also still being a single black mom, right? Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. came from a single black mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and although Sergeant's father and I are um, very much within a group of co-parenting, it was very present. You know, we mm-hmm. were treated incredibly poorly throughout mm-hmm. my pregnancy experience. Yeah. Thank God mm-hmm. for my midwife who came in. And I think I made the cutoff right when um, uh, our insurance, like whatever, Obamacare accepted yeah. A midwife. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Mm -hmm. prior to that, I was seeing physicians and I remember I had gotten really sick in my first trimester. I'd lost so much weight. Mm -hmm. And the way we were treated, it was like a lot of hushes and murmuring of, oh, maybe she's HIV positive. Oh, my God. I was like... I, I mean, I, I haven't even, you know, either spoke in, in yeah. full disclosure of my experience, but mm-hmm. even going into, you know, having to really understand my privilege. And mm-hmm. I wasn't I didn't understand that until I experienced the healthcare system in the United mm-hmm. States as yeah, a black just, pregnant woman. Yeah, exactly. Because okay. when you walk you in, know, you're just a black pregnant woman, you know? That's it. Yeah, yeah. Who has Medicaid. And so yeah, exactly. are, that is how you were treated. That's it. And exactly. it was crazy because I even found myself in the hospital posturing in certain ways to assert myself so they knew I, I'm I'm not like what you think I am, whatever mm-hmm. that means. Mm-hmm. And it, it's such a, I mean, quite frankly, it's, it's a mind fuck. And my experience, I ended up having a three-day labor, had a C-section. They left a sponge inside of me. Oh, had my God. Sewn me up, oh! had, already, had already sewn me up. Uh, sergeants, <gasps> everyone's out of the, the um, operating room. You know, sergeant's dad is gone. No one knows what's happening. And then I hear a nurse say, where is sponge 50? Oh, stop it. And I oh. am like still obviously on the table half conscious and i'm like oh my god this is how people die god please don't that's exactly oh my god and then how i was treated after that i was like you know again fortunately like you were saying had enough support where i have friends who work in the medical field they're like get your surgery report get everything and when Mm -hmm. you start asking for things Mm -hmm. they're like what 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 what? (laughs) yeah exactly 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 such an experience uh such a humbling experience and really more and more wanting to position myself so that I can advocate and be a voice of and do everything that I can to really um, eliminate the issues within black maternal health, which is. Yeah. And it's also micro too. Right. And so you think that these things are like, you know, I had this thing where like, I was really like, I need to show my engagement ring. So these people treat me differently, you know, back then when I had river and it didn't matter. Right. And then right. I was married, you know, so then I had lost the baby and then I was married, after, you know, I was married already and I had Oak and planned that pregnancy, had an unmedicated labor and mm-hmm. all this other stuff and like found myself after I had him like, you know, yelling at the doctors to like release me in him. And like, just mm. like being like yelling at that. the nurse's station, you know, yes. like get us the hell out of here. Yes. Why do you, th- I what do you think I'm going to do with my kid? Like, get me out of like- here. I felt like coming out of the twilight zone. And I remember having mm-hmm. a nurse tell me that um, I I fortunately had, and I could go on about this, so I'll keep it short. But, <laughs> um, I remember there was a, a lactation consultant there mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. pulled me to the side. I think she kind of assessed the scene. She was like, which 
already in and of itself is problematic. You know, she's checking out my family. I've got yeah. like healthy food. I'm refusing to eat the hospital food. I've got my kombucha. I'm set up. And yeah. she's like, listen, you got to get out of here. Like, you oh need to have gosh. them release you like mm -hmm. sooner than later. And I remember mm -hmm. speaking to the head nurse and saying, I want to be released early. And her telling me, you can be released, but we'll have to keep your baby. Oh my gosh, wait, I feel like we probably were at the same hospital because I uh, had the okay, same thing. Okay, we probably were. We probably were. <laughs> I had the right. same thing and I was like, that's never gonna happen. And they were like, well, right. my mom like called my mom called somebody and I was like at the nurse on, station, mom. like, I know I was like, get me out of here and I'm taking my baby. And they were like, well, like say like the baby had like an alarm on them. Like it would actually yes, be yes. some weird thing. Ex absolutely. <laughs> like, I got that same story. Yeah. It's, it's sick. Um, it's sick. But yeah, you know what? My mother was there to support me and I, I'm happy to hear your mother was also yeah. there to advocate yes. and support you, which is just so it's a whole thing. Yeah. Whole thing. Um, you also speak, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your mom because um, in Women of Color, you speak about a time, uh, overall just beauty as a sense of, as a means of resistance, beauty as mm -hmm. survival. And you talk about these calm moments where you'd be sitting on the hardwood floor, your mom would be braiding your hair and singing to you. And again, mm -hmm. I have that memory. I have that moment. Mm -hmm. What does, what is beauty as a form of like healing um, and survival and resistance look like to you as an adult? You know, I think it it's funny because I think so much of my adult lens is part of my, you know, mothering lens as well, right? Um, mm -hmm. Even though I see myself as an individual, I'm very aware of beauty as resistance in relation to what my children see, like daily, and yeah. that for me, um, I, I, I like obviously owe that to my children, right? Um, because I think we all would, you know, without a community and sort of my kids are part of my community, right? Um, they're mm -hmm. to like sort of hold us to certain standards that we hold ourselves to. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be holding sort of, you know, I wouldn't be so hell bent on this level of resistance. And I think, you know, that is, thankfully what having my daughter and having my son around all the time has, <laughs> has taught me. Um, and for me, you know, and I don't know, it honestly, it's just about taking care of myself and, um, having personal space and getting dressed every day and, um, and sort of, giving myself the same or at least some lesser or equivalent level of, you know, love and attention that I give my children and being very, very aware of that. And whether that's like a bath at night, whether that's like washing, making sure I wash my face and get dressed, okay. whether yeah. that's like making sure my, I close the door in my room and I'm like, I need to just spend time with my clothes and like, you know, all of these weird things <laughs> or like walk down the street or get my nails done. Like I spent a lot of money at, you know, the nail salon <laughs> and Same. you know, these sort of, right. These sort of <laughs> things, um, which seem really simple, but they're also about, about like, you know, armor and being able to face mm. the world. And I, I feel whenever like I'm not aware of that I can kind of feel it really really 
clearly um, in relation to like who I am as an individual, but also who I am as a mother. And when I don't do those things, it's just, it's tangible. It's very tangible. And so um, sort of the resistance is like an every day, every moment um, act. And my mom's own way of doing that for me helped sow those seeds as an adult. And I'm aware of that even with my own own daughter, both my kids have like crazy curly hair. And so I'm doing their hair every morning with like conditioner and curls and telling my daughter, oh, this looks good. Do you like it this way? Do you want me to do that? And like, you know, just having, you know, a, a real present relationship with her in that way and, and allowing her um, sort of building up that own resistance in her, right, as well. Mm-hmm. And, 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 yes. and in my son, um, right now and also at the same time doing within myself. So it's like an every moment, every minute type of thing. And it's, it's a big part. And I was going to say, and I feel like I'm sure that's been amplified even more now that we are social distancing and Mm -hmm. way more time at home, which, you know, for many people obviously has been quite a change in structure. Uh, But I think even for, um, parents like ourselves, mothers like ourselves who work for yourself, who work from home. Mm-hmm. And now that space is now being completely occupied by your family. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and doing that dance. Um, but something that, that I read that you wrote about that I really liked was being really transparent with your children about needing alone time. Yeah. Uh, can yeah. you talk a little bit about the transparency that you have with your kids and expressing your needs and boundaries. Yeah. Like, so, you know, I, I don't know. I don't get, I guess I don't get the, the idea that kid, like, you know, I feel like people, you know, kids are kids, right. But kids also become adults. And I really like that thought process that the things that we instill in them now, we allow them to be children, but we also instill sort of life. We're instilling lifelong patterns and emotions and sort of um connections and respect and boundaries to the now and i really i really appreciate that idea when it comes to parenting and so for me in I'm like for me in my house <laughs> <laughs> in my household how we do things <laughs> but you know i'm very i'm really vocal with the kids and i do it for both of them too and so it's always like you know we're a team right and so mm-hmm. what i do for myself you can do for yourself you can do for yourself and so in the morning, if my kids wake up before, let's say seven o'clock and mm-hmm. I usually I'm up, but like, they know that like, I need coffee and I need to be like left alone for at least a half an hour and they can yes. read books, they can play, they can hang out in their room. They usually just end up hanging out in their room. But like, I just really need that chunk of time to be by myself and to have coffee, or if I'm not drinking coffee that morning, to have water, or to just be in my apartment, in my body, alone. And it's been really important to articulate that um, to them, and also have a conversation with them. And at the same time, right, my daughter will pull the same thing, and she's like, you know what, I'm not in a mood, I want to be alone. And like, we'll just go in her room and be alone. And I'm like, do you? Like, go ahead, do your thing. And I'm like, telling her little brother, you gotta leave her alone. She wants to be alone. Okay. And we all do it. Yeah, we all do it. We all do it and we all need it. And, you know, this really echoes a lot of, um, you know, things that Jodi Patterson and I were talking about Mm -hmm. um, 
And the last episode or two episodes ago now, uh, where she <laughs> talked about now that her kids are of a certain age, she's like, mm-hmm. please leave me alone until a certain hour in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let mom have her time. I think that's especially important for all parents, but especially mothers who co-parent. Mm-hmm. And when you mm-hmm. have your kids the majority mm-hmm. of the time, yeah, exactly. the day, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, there has to be a boundary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because no one's there to tap physically tap you out. And I think, and I think this is very, it's so funny because I found, I found like, I find it to be really like a clear line and a clear difference between me and my friends who have two people in the household. And obviously like I was a two person household at, at one point as well. And so I know it, but I think I was also very aware of it because of the way I grew up. Right. So I just, mm-hmm. overall, I'm a different person, but yes. I do find it like, and then at this, like, so I'm very like clear about the times I spend with my children and I'm present with them, but I'm very clear about the times that I spend alone. Right. And I'm very, mm-hmm. like, very, like very clear about those boundaries between those sets of times. Um, and part of that is to be able to spread myself as thin as I need to be, that I have to be spread because of my life. And, right. and, and I, and I think that it, a black women kind of inherently like often have that, but at the same time, like when you're co-parenting, when you're, you know, spending a lot of time with your kids alone, you're like, it's either living like this or we're not thriving or we're not surviving. And that's it. Yes. And, and yes. I think we, and I think that is, it's such a unique, um, sort of wall that I'm that I, I, you come up against with like people who have like two parent households quite often is that, mm-hmm. um, my time is really valuable. So it's yes. actually a funny thing. Okay. <laughs> like literally that's it. That's the story. My yes, time that's so my time is just really valuable. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm very much and probably, I guess, forever, because as our children grow, as their needs change, as as we grow and our needs change, um, so will the structure and the needs of our family. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning so much about myself, I think, mm-hmm. honestly, more than anything in co-parenting. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would love to know kind of, you know, what have you learned about yourself in restructuring your family? Yeah. You know, I feel like I've learned how to you know, I want a lot for myself. Like, you know, I I sort of have been thinking about like, oh, if I could have it this way, then I would do it this way. If I could have it that way, then I would do it this way. But I think I've learned not to be funny, but I've learned that to be how to be generous. And I learned that I can be very Mm -hmm. generous. Mm -hmm. And I learned, I've learned how generosity is actually the best, it's sort of the best position to raise a family in. Um, and so I think about my relationship with my ex about being sort of the most generous relationship that I can have. And even if it, it sort of, you know, doesn't feel like it's always for me, right. It's about being generous and it's about giving my kid, giving that, um, extending that to my children and extending. And also at the same time, like I'm always thinking about, and this is probably the more morbid me, but I'm like, what, like if I die, what am I uh-huh. happy with? But like, what am I happy yeah. with? Right. Like, what am I happy that I've done? What, what, what am I, what, what have I done that sort of has made sense for my family? And, and am I okay with the way that we're living? And for me, I really want my kids to see what care, community, generosity, and also love and family looks like. 
And that oftentimes is, does not in, you know, an individual's best interest. It just isn't like in one yeah. person's best interest. And I think, you know, so I would want life to be a certain type of way. I would want more individual freedom. I would want more of this. So, you know, I sometimes, you know, I have friends who, you know, their kids are very like, um, they spend like, like chunks of time away from the kids and they get to have this whole other life. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't live like that. That's not my situation. And I'm okay. And it's every week or every other week, you know, whatever the situation is and that's not mine. And I'm okay with this type of life that I've, I've chosen. And I'm, I can die knowing that. And I can die knowing that I was generous and also that I was loving and also that my kids um, have a family. And I think it's really, really important um, you know, family can look any type of way. And as long as it's loving, as long as it's supportive, that's the most important thing. Um, and so I've just, I've learned that. I've also learned just how, you know, a lot of times that we are, are taught, you know, a lot of times, a lot of things that I was taught, like as a, as a black woman of how things are supposed to be, yeah. um, they don't actually have to be that way. And so you kind of just like, <laughs> you kind of just are like, oh, I could kind of do a little different. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> yes, I can totally make it my own. Yes, um, yes. I can totally make it my own. That's something that I'm really stepping into and learning for sure. I also say that I, y'all have to pardon any weird audio that just happened. Sergeant um. just got up early from his nap. <laughs> And I'm like freaking out. I'm like, don't come in here. Don't find me. Like, totally don't hide in the closet to record. And he just started knocking on the door. I <laughs> understand. A, like, from home moment. Okay. Mama, yeah. are you in there? Are you? I know you hear me. Um, but yes, uh, co-parenting, making it your own. And I think that's something that um, I love that you really speak to this idea of generosity. That resonated yeah Elise yeah you you have to be generous and give up yourself your energy your time your love even Mm -hmm. with your co-parent who you may have some sort of contention or just whatever exactly layered exactly Mm -hmm. right you're like constantly evaluating um how you both are showing up for one another so that you Mm -hmm. can show the best for your kids yeah, exactly. Like, I never knew that level of generosity, wanting to see someone win and be their best selves so badly, completely outside of my own ego. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. You there know? you go. It's just like, <laughs> oh, like I can put, you know, and it's not giving any, you know, and I'm not giving him a pass and I'm not giving my, my you know, like anyone. I'm just like, OK, what can we do as everyone's going to win? Like what? Yes. How is everybody winning right now? The kids are winning. I'm winning. You. OK, good. Like, we're good. Yes. We're good. Like, yes. and that's it. And, and it's about not, being generous. How, yes. How do we get back to that space? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's so. And I think that is I have you know what it is? I have way more peace like living that way. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm at peace. And that's the thing. It's like I just want to be at peace. And I want people to be at peace. And like, how do we get there? Let's figure it out. I love that. How so, did yeah. writing Woman of Color um, bring you a sense of peace? You know, I feel like I worked out a lot of the stories in therapy before writing them. And so that was yes. really helpful. But I am, I also compartmentalize. So like I'll share everything in therapy and we'll be in there like every week, right on time. Right. And then okay. we'll not, and this is probably goes to like me being bored or boundary or whatever. 
um, I won't really like verbally articulate certain things. And I think even though I'm a talker, like I'll just talk about everything else, but that thing that I need to talk about. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. and it allowed me to really just, if anything at all, to just verbalize, articulate some very clear things. And there were things that sort of storylines or attachments or, um, obviously like racism stuff that like really came out that like, it also like unplugged a lot in the back end. I think Mm. I've had, again, like I compartmentalized. So I think there was a lot part, a lot of parts of me that were sort of chunked, you know, to obviously protect myself. Um, and like, sort of, I called them like hidden boxes (laughs) (laughs) that I didn't know existed and feelings and emotions. And so writing, you know, writing a book opens a door, right? Um, it doesn't just open a door for like, obviously other people, but it also emotionally and mentally like open doors for me as far as like the process is concerned and like what else I need to work through. And even if I don't write about those things, I now know I need to work through them because, um, now they're, they've, I've made room for them. And I think the the Mm -hmm. book has allowed that for me. Um, it's, it's allowed me to make room for other things. I like that a lot. I think that's what healing does, you know, healing Mm -hmm. gives you, (laughs) allows you to create the space, um, for the joy that you want to bring in. Yeah, um, sometimes exactly. the joy, sometimes even just the new problems. But I, I'd rather be like working out a new issue than being stuck. Than being back. Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, we carry so much and especially black women. And like we oh, we make so much room all the time. And I and I think that's also the point of the book and platform and whatever is to just like remind people to like, you know, seek joy, but also sit like advocate and also creatively tap in but also continue to make room you know and um and make room for themselves more importantly because I think you know we we do make room for a lot of other people absolutely what's what's next for you uh what's next so I just signed another book deal so that's exciting congratulations what can we expect from the next project from the next book so the next book is about home and bodies and sort of how objects and things have obviously helped me heal um but also this exploration as like a black woman you know and in for other black women interested in talking to other black women about it um tentatively tentatively it's called sage on the side table um, mm-hmm. And sort of it's about, you know, the things that we inherit and um, sort of like furniture in our homes. But it's also about like our bodies within our homes and and historically how black women heal and how black women make do and how we sort of sh- love the bell hooks quote. It's like we shape shape shift and um, yes. and um, this idea of safety. And, you know, obviously there's so much about that right now. And so over the next year, I'll be exploring that and writing about it. And I'm super excited and also a little bit terrified. But that's okay. okay. You know, that's, that's it's okay. Good. Listen, you're not doing it right if you're not a little scared to do it. Yeah, you know, it's a little it's a little deep, but it'll be fun. It's going to be fun. And it'll be a nice project. And I feel like right now, I'm take, like, I am sort of soaking in whatever this 
version of life that we're in right now and allowing that to kind of continue on and then to make room for this book. So we will see. (laughs) Oh man. Well, we, it's, it's exciting to hear about, we are looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Thank you. Definitely going to finish woman of color and I cannot wait to to the next thing. Um, I'm so excited. There's so many parallels. And so I I just know that, um, you know, your story is going to resonate with so many folks. So, you know, thank you for sharing. Um, Thank you. Yes. Uh, Up next, we're going to have ask a cool mom. Uh, So if you want to stick around for that. So this week on Ask a Cool Mom, we have Lisa, 36, from Lawrenceville, Georgia. And she writes, now that I'm at home with my kids more, I want to take better control over healthy eating habits. How can I integrate healthier snacks that my four and seven-year-olds will actually eat? Oh, my gosh. I love this question. (laughs) Okay, so first, I would say the first thing that my kids sort of really, really fell into this spring um, in the summer with smoothies. Uh, if you get like, they're kind of, if you get like a small smoothie, um, like blender, that's such yes. a like healthy, easy, sweet treat. And the kids can do it themselves. And I think anything that like kids feel like they have control over helps them eat super, um, well. And when they feel like they can put their hands in the mix and obviously we don't have enough time. So smoothies are super, super easy. And then my kids, honestly have gotten over their thing with spinach because they're just like, Oh, I'm going to throw this in there. And so I think it's, a, <laughs> it's an easy snack and everyone usually enjoys it. And I honestly think just, I, I, I find that like uh, keeping snack time at a time, like having, okay, this is the snack time and having it be fun and having them be super involved. Um, we keep a lot, a lot of fruits around the house and my kids just, love being able to chop their own stuff, love, you know, they love making their own little plates, their own little fake sort of tea parties. So anything that (laughs) they can do themselves, get them a little kid knife and raisins and just have fun and snacks. And, you know, we do, I do fake fancy cheese plates for them and they're really just fruit, like cheese and crackers, but they (laughs) like that idea of like, Ooh, we got something. And so just make it fun and present it to them and have them involved. I think we often miss, and it takes a lot of time, but snacks are the easiest way to get kids involved. It's just like, let's go in there and make a snack, a little snack plate ourselves. It's super easy. You know, I didn't, I, now I'm I'm happy because Sergeant is such a he's such a healthy robust eater. Yeah. Um, when he was younger though, I really I did the pouch thing, and yes. some of my like favorite pouches that I would use would be like the this like Happy Baby Organics Nutty Blend pouch, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was really uh, nervous, as many moms are, about him having a nut allergy. So mm. I was. You know, so I think they were like such a great way to include like peanuts and tree nuts into mm-hmm. his diet so that he hopefully wouldn't develop the allergy. Mm-hmm. And also mm-hmm. easy. And he had that sense of autonomy of like, this is my thing. This is my thing. Over. Yeah, right. exactly. I, <laughs> I can hold it. I can I can eat it. I can use it myself. I can open it, which was fantastic. Um, and another great tool um, that I didn't use that I wish that I would have known about was Happy Baby Organics Chat. Um, which is literally like a bunch of registered dietitians, nutritionists. Oh, wow. And they are there 24-7 to answer any questions online. It's anonymous, so you can literally ask them 
anything. Anything. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> anything from breastfeeding help to transitioning into solid foods. So I think they have so, so many great tools from the pouches to the chats. Um, we love them here at Cool Mom. So thank I you love that. The organics. Yes. I love um, that. Latanya, thank you so much for your time, your energy and your thoughts. Thank I you for having so me. I'm of course. I'm looking <laughs> forward to sharing this with the world and um, Sage on the side table. Yes, that's what it yeah. is right now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> until, <laughs> okay. Uh, until next time. Not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. <laughs>